Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome, everyone, to episode 25 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. And to introduce today's topic, I thought I'd start with a little joke, because I don't know about you, but life feels a little too serious these days. There was an old married couple, and they were having a chat one night. Honey, said the husband, I am so sorry that my anger gets directed at you far too often, How is it that you manage to stay so calm when I'm in such a bad mood? Oh, that's easy, said the wife. I just go clean the toilet and that makes me feel better. Does that really help, asked the husband, somewhat surprised. Absolutely, said the wife, especially because I use your toothbrush. Today's episode is on the topic of anger. And before we go any further, I thought I'd read two of my favorite passages from the Bible addressing the topic. The first comes from Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 51. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Our second reading comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Here ends the readings. I'm not sure there's a more relevant topic than anger and how you and I deal with it. After all, anger is among the most primitive emotions we feel, and it takes a variety of forms in the human person. We externalize our anger in the form of rage, irritation, 
or passive-aggressive behavior, but we can also internalize anger, and that looks a little bit more like cynicism and depression. Medically speaking, we know that holding on to anger leads to poor health, that anger is bad for our heart, it raises our cholesterol, and that it fuels psychological turmoil and relational distress, but that doesn't mean we're quite ready to give it up. In fact, this past week, I read about a dozen articles on anger, most of which were very quick to hail anger as a virtue. One article argued that anger helps us get our needs met. Another said that it's the energy that alone can bring about justice. From a sociological perspective, anger can strengthen relationships. After all, if you and I can be angry at a common enemy in the short run, that might make us feel more connected and less alone. Which brings us to that gospel passage we started with in this episode and the deep anger that James and John feel towards the Samaritans. Now, to remind you of the context, messengers have been sent to announce Jesus's intent to pass through. They are rejected. The travel plans have to take a detour. And James and John, they take it personally. And as James and John indulge their anger, They ask permission. They want permission to unleash the anger they feel, to express it, to draw on the energy of their anger, to feel more alive, more powerful, more righteous than the Samaritans who rejected them. They ask permission to call fire down from heaven, but Jesus turns and rebukes them. Now, to be clear, I don't think Jesus rebukes them for feeling anger. There is never a rebuke for what we feel. After all, anger, it is just an emotion. It's a bodily indicator that something is wrong or unjust or not as it should be. In fact, when confronted with injustice or pain, if I had a choice between feeling anger and feeling numb— I would always choose anger. And so let's not think that James and John are rebuked for feeling anger or for expressing anger. The rebuke is for indulging their anger, for nursing their anger, for drawing on their anger to such an extent that they want to destroy the very people whom Jesus will die on a cross to forgive. You see, I did a little research on the etymology of the word anger. The word anger derives, at least in part, from a Greek word, ananke, which means chain or yoke. Ananke was also the Greek god of constraining, and Ananke presided over the institution of slavery. In fact, Greek slaves bore chains around their necks. Those chains were called the ananke. And so isn't it interesting that if we follow the lineage of the word anger back to its roots, we find a word tied to slavery, all of which makes me wonder if anger is itself a chain around our neck that limits our freedom and constrains our capacity to love. I think Paul 
would have said as much when he penned these words from Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But then again, I also know that some chains can be very hard to part ways with. And for many of us, anger is one such chain. In fact, one of my favorite writers is Frederick Beekner, who writes this. He says, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last twosome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that you are wolfing down yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So today, I just want to remind us of something that I believe is vital to understanding the Christian gospel, which is that true freedom, gospel freedom, isn't freedom to act from our anger, but freedom to love freedom to serve, freedom to forgive, precisely when our anger threatens to overwhelm us. After all, the gospel proclamation we hear in that great reading from Galatians is that Christ has set us free, past tense, that from God's side, it is a done deal. To quote Jesus from the cross, it is finished. Freedom has been given. But the way you and I taste that freedom and share that freedom and grow in that freedom is by choosing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, especially in those moments when the world would say that to do so would be irresponsible. Because gospel freedom isn't what happens when we indulge the self but rather when we lose the self, when the self is consumed by the love of God, freeing us to be more interested and curious and present to the people and circumstances that God has put in our life. And so with that said, I'm going to give us some questions to reflect on in the coming week. With whom are you angry? With others? With yourself? What have they done or what have you done? Did someone hurt you or frustrate you? Or is someone withholding something you want or something you need? Has someone rejected you or someone you love? And what might happen if you let go of your anger? Can you? Would it be dangerous to let it go? Would you become too vulnerable? And if you did let your anger go, what might take its place? Would love? Would understanding would trust? Now, to be clear, I don't know the answer to these questions, but I do know that they're very relevant and they're worth bringing to God in prayer because anger is not the energy that God will use to bring justice and healing to this world. 
The gospel we began with makes that abundantly clear. Because in a sense, James and John's request for fire that consumes is ironic. For in the fullness of time, a fire will come down from heaven and consume our world. But that fire is God himself. To quote Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. And in the fullness of time, the divine fire of love will consume a few very specific things like hate and anger, quarrels, dissensions, and factions. It will consume our desire for revenge, our desire to see other people punished. It will destroy that impulse within us that doesn't want to love, that doesn't want to forgive, that doesn't want mercy to be extended to all people. And you know, the Bible has a word for what happens in our life when this fire we call God descends upon us, and that word is freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And so let me end today by saying this. Not too long ago, I pulled up to a stoplight, and there was a woman by the side of the road, and she had a cardboard sign that said, In Need of a Little Kindness. And three things immediately occurred to me. Number one, that kindness can only be mediated through human beings. Number two, that kindness is the fruit of God's Holy Spirit. And number three, that every single person we encounter, and I do mean everyone, has this same sign tattooed on their heart. And in a sense, every last one of us is a beggar. We're a beggar in need of a little kindness. And what occurred to me is that what this woman really needed and what all people really need are human beings consumed by the fire we call God, people animated by the Holy Spirit, people who know their freedom in Christ and who have a singular purpose in life to share that freedom with whoever it is that God has put in their life. And so this week, I'd encourage you to look for that sign in the people you encounter, or maybe to look for that sign in the people you read about in the news, the people you like and the people you don't like. And then pray for the right fire to come down from heaven and consume you. Let us pray. O Heavenly Father, who has filled the world with beauty, open our eyes to behold your gracious hand in all your works that rejoicing in your whole creation, we may learn to serve you with gladness, freedom, and peace for the sake of him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.